Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Riffs and Scripts. My Riffs name is Amber. My name is Cole Bryant. Today we're talking about two lovely subjects, uh, how to choose what guitar is right for you. And Amber, what were you going to talk about? I wanted to just have a little chat and share some opinions about headshots. because Opinions it's... about headshots? Oh, it's one of those things that comes up constantly on every every single Facebook group that's got anything to do with actors. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to have a chat about it my way. Oh, by the way, before we get into it, do you remember how last week I was talking about something I'd applied for and I was really excited Ooh. and I was yes. really hoping I'd get it? Oh, I didn't get it. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. It happens. But, you know, look, this oh. actually, it, I'm so glad this happened this week because after recording last week, I checked my emails and found the email saying that I wasn't being, um, I wasn't being brought to the next stage of the interview process however literally since then a couple of days ago Mm -hmm. um i get an email from my agent saying i have an audition so this is what i mean when i say just like let go and move on because we are in gig level jobs so with with a rejection a few days later came a new opportunity and that's got to be how what you look for yeah and i'm really i'm really excited that in january in the middle of a pandemic I've got an audition. Yeah. That's pretty great. Work's flowing through. Well, flowing might not be the word. In pandemic period. (laughs) Pandemic period. Pandemic period. That's something I don't want to know about. Oh, man, that sounds like a really bad horror film. Oh my, oh my god. Pandemic period. period. Written by women haters. (laughs) Written by people who hate women. Yeah, exactly. So... you look like you're okay. contemplating, but you look confused. I'm, just, I'm, I'm trying to work out, you know, what what is pandemic period going to be about? Is it that everyone gets their period at the same time? I mean, that kind of happens already. Well, yeah, but not like everyone. No, no, no. Like, you know, people sync up and stuff. Yeah. But like, imagine if everyone got it at the same time, you know. Yeah, there, there'd be there'd be Globally. mayhem, mayhem, absolute there mayhem. There would be mayhem for a quarter mayhem. of all time. <laughs> but yeah, how's your anyway. how's your week been? So my week was rejection, but then a new opportunity. And apart from that, I've been in the flat. How's yours been? I I my week was um, interesting. I started putting together ideas uh, well not ideas really just designs for the vocal booth i'm just gonna build a vocal booth over the next kind of month or so um in the corner of my home studio and get it all set up so that our podcast can sound amazing and so that i can do awesome vocal recordings and guitar recordings and things like that so it's gonna be good a good little isolated space um mm. to do proper recordings and then do more commercial kind of you know stuff to to release and do things with you know i'm yeah, excited about for sure. it the other thing is i got stabbed in the arm uh with a needle by a mad person in no I, by a doctor sorry it sounds why much, have you brought this up like this why are you telling the story like you got attacked by someone who had escaped from prison i mean like know. no that's not the press that we need for vaccinations right now cole here's the weird thing it was like queuing up outside a gig amber it was strange i was sitting standing in a queue you know socially distanced from other people and yet it's a school which is fine but it was like queuing up outside a venue you queue around the around the corner around the street 
and you're all queuing around and it moves in and people ask you your name it's people people come up to you with a list say what's your name and it's like being asked hi are you on the list for your tickets yeah yeah here okay we'll sign you off tick 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 what's your nhs number tick 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 you know and um head in and then winding through these cool corridors which for me is like winding through those weird corridors you find in venues in these darkened areas with all these people chatting around you and then you go into a big open room and for me it was going into the sports hall and then I sat down in front of a lady realised that my shirt was too tight and not a t-shirt and not short sleeve, so I had to take my shirt off to get the vaccination <laughs> you but planned that didn't you just don't care about this you planned if you know that. anything about my band uh, yeah, that's, I, I did not plan that. I did not, Amber. How very dare you. So by some strange coincidence, Cole, you just so happened to end up in a situation where you had to take your shirt off again. I don't believe I mean, that that was an accident. You did that on purpose. No. Well, you 100% uh, planned uh, it. Conspiracy. Uh, uh, to be fair, now, uh, now, now, no, Amber, you, you've you've got two parts of my personality here in balance, right? One is my incessant need to be constantly unclothed. Naked. Yes. And two, there is there is a contrasting thing, a, com- a combative part of my personality, which is you're overestimating my plan, my my ability to plan for anything. That's true. So That's very true. How dare you assume that I would be I would I would have that kind of mental aptitude, that mental awareness to plan to be naked like that. How how could you assume that about me? I sat down and I immediately took my shirt off because I was like, well, I know what's going to happen and I've got a very limited period of time to get this jab. And I felt kind of sorry for this young lady who just immediately gets this strange man wander up to her and then start taking his clothes off <laughs> but hey you know it's a part of my life it, it, i think it's because i've been so long without gigs i just haven't yeah stripped sure. off in front of a room full of strangers in such a long time it's very rude <laughs> you really um, miss stripping off in front of strangers mate i do i do and having them throw money at me and spinning around on poles i would be good at that I think you you would be so enthusiastic. You'd you'd be the one that's like really up for it for like a good ten hour shift. Yeah. I don't know if that would equate to you being good at it, but Thanks, cheers, mate. Thanks. That's that's thanks, that's fine. Cheers. Yeah, thanks, 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 cool. thanks. I've had some great I've yeah. had some great times yeah, lining up outside for gigs, you know. Oh, it is fun actually. It's a whole it's a whole part of the gig experience that you don't think about much, but I do actually genuinely miss and I realised that when I was queuing up outside, that sense of anticipation of something about to happen. What's you the know? earliest and that, that's what it was like. What's the earliest you've ever lined up outside a venue for? God, that's okay, I mean, for my own gigs, that's earlier than anyone, but that does not count. For, I, I, I did assume so, because I turn up at like four o'clock for a gig that starts at 10.30, you know, sometimes. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, we've had that thing where you turn up at like half three, and then you're like, oh, I thought there was going to be a massive queue. Oh, there isn't a queue. Let's go get rat ass then, and then come back, and then have 4 p.m. drinks in the underworld or something. <laughs> so I had it where... Green Day were doing one gig in like the whole of the UK that year. I, I should have I should have realised they would have showed up at Reading that year, but I hadn't. I didn't think of that. But anyway, they were doing one gig. It was at the Emirates Stadium, and my brother and dad are both massive Spurs boys. So I had to message my brother like, "I'm gonna have to go to the Emirates," and he was like, "I understand. It's for music, not football." Um, 
And it was because it was the one day Green Day were performing. It was insanely competitive. So my friend lives like a five minute walk from the Emirates. Doors opened at like four or five o'clock for warm ups to start, like warm up acts to start not too long after that. And Green Day were going to like kind of headline because it was huge stadium gig. Yeah, yeah, We yeah. got there at like seven in the morning. Oh, my God. And the only people that were there before us were the people with tents who camped out. And do you know what sucks? So we'd been there what? for so long. We'd been there since seven. There were these loos we could go to. So we would only, yeah, like, yeah, uh, yeah. you stay in the queue, I'll use the toilet, la, 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 la. People are making friends and stuff. And there was this security bloke who was giving these wristbands specifically to the people that had been there since the crack of dawn. Um because they they allowed you so we were all there for standing obviously if you have a seat you don't need to line up and yeah. there was like a there was like an extra barrier area like in front of the standing area and you needed the wristband to get into it so it was his way of trying to make sure that the people that have been queuing up f- all day or all night got into that little area and he did it mm. just as my friend whose house I'd stayed at, who was the reason we got there so early, he did it just as he went to the loo. And when my friend came back and said, hey, I need a wristband, he was like, no, because he thought he'd Q-jumped. It was such a shame. Oh, my God. He got in the the area anyway, because we were like third in the queue. There were people who camped out and then there was us. So he still got in there just for being so far ahead. But it was like, no, he deserved it. Did I ever tell you about how I got stranded in Scotland? I don't think so. We were on tour. Yeah. I got out for a wee while the guys were going to get petrol for the van. We had a split van and you had like uh, six or seven seats in it. Three three seats in the back, three seats in the front, so six seats. Tour manager was in the front. She booked all the gigs. Then we had uh, Nathan and Luke were in the front seat. Me and our bassist at the time were sitting in the back. The bassist was really dopey. Uh, and we weren't really getting on much at the time. That will come up later. So um, I, we stop at the actual petrol station. This is on the border of Scotland. So you go into Scotland, you see the sign, you go, way, take a picture, and you put it on the Instagram, go, way, Scotland, that's all. And we all said to, to the bass player, have you got your passport, yeah? Have you got your passport? Because we're going to Scotland. And he's like, what, what, what? This is how dope he was, right? So <laughs> we uh, pull up at the nearest petrol station, service station, we go and get some food, go up to the actual pumps, right? Yeah. I'm like, okay, I really need a wee. Nathan and Luke are in the front. They go out to go and pay for the fuel. Right. Uh, the bass player is like dozing off in the side to me. And the tour manager is sitting in front. I go, right, I tell you what, I really need a piss. I really need a piss. I've been drinking water all day because I'm waiting for a gig. So I've got to stay hydrated. So I need a waz whenever I go to any petrol station. I'm just like, yeah, I need a wee. I get out, go and have a waz, come back. Oh, the van's pulling off. Oh, they're those jokers, eh? Those jokers <laughs> pulling off without me at the service station in Scotland. <laughs> They'll turn around any jo- second. Oh, they're not stopping. They're not, they're not stopping. Why aren't you stopping? Why aren't they... Oh, they're, they're, they're not going quick. They, they must know that they're not stopping. So I chased them down the slip road. Um... <laughs> But you said that like that's know. the only logical thing. So obviously, I chased obviously, them down on a strip road. Why wouldn't I? Strip I road, ta- slip I road. I'm taking sorry. the piss. I, the strip road. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I, I, I chased them down the strip road, and I think I think they're taking the piss, and they're just going to stop. 
and they're going to let me on. Yeah. And then at one point they do stop. And then they and get then on they the M1. And they don't see me. <laughs> they don't see me waving at them in their in their in their mirror. They don't see me waving at them. So they start up again and I'm like fucking <laughs> And 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 they go off and I go those bastards that fucking bastards left me and I and I immediately go that bass player is driving he, um has has deliberately not told them that I'm not in the back of the van because if you're going straight into the front of the van and you're just going to leave off they probably don't even know that I'm not there yeah because you can't like see me you know so uh 5 minutes later they the next it's like five it's like two miles down the road is the next thing so it's about 15 mm. minutes later they come up and at this point i am fuming my phone's dead so i'm like trying to ring home going i quit this fucking man they're all a bunch of bastards fuck them I'm, and now and then i'm like great my phone's dead what am i gonna do so i go over to the main bit to go and get a phone charger at this point the van pulls up and the bass player opens the door going you're right, mate. And I go, you fucker. <laughs> and I pick him up and I start saying, to him, you bastard, I'll fucking kill you. I'll fucking... And then I calm down and get in the other side. Um, but that was how I got left in Scotland. And here's the funny bit. They were recording that on Facebook Live when they picked me up. So everyone saw me no! lifting up the bass player by his shirt. And I, I, I ripped his shirt a bit and stuff. I didn't hit him or anything. You know, I'm not that kind no, of person. No, just, just a, bit, a, a bit cross, I, a bit rough. I was, I was a bit cross. He didn't like that at all. <laughs> that was such an English thing for us to say. I was a bit cross. I was a bit cross. I was, I was a, a bit, bit cross, cross yeah. so I shot him in the face. So that was the wor- worry about, you know, don't um, go to the toilet in inopportune moments. Do you want me to tell the story of the argument in a car I had? <laughs> Do you want to tell the story with in the background? Yeah, he knows I, what I he did. Want... <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, funnily, one of the first big arguments, like dumb big arguments, I had with my boyfriend. At the time, we'd been together a couple of years and he had never been abroad and he'd never had a passport. And I was like, get a passport because we're going to do some traveling together. So he he tries to apply for a passport. And just for context, he he's never grown up in a family with a car. So the little things, the little things that my mum like taught me, like don't yank on the, don't try and open the door while I'm unlocking it. You know, little things oh. like that. He never learned oh. any of them of them so he needs to get a passport like, don't talk shit to your driver when they're trying to concentrate on stuff and things not like that. that not even that but like oh, the little car courtesy i know you said not even that but i saw the expression on your face when i said it <laughs> <laughs> anyway so he needs to go because it's the first time he's getting a passport he needed to go and have like a face-to-face meeting and they had to like assess his identity and shit so right. i'm driving him to that destination because it was outside of London and it was much easier to drive. We get on the M25. Now, at the time, the thing that would hold my phone in place and work as my sat-nav was broken. So I said, okay, here's my phone with the map. It's got a line that we're following and we're the dot. You tell me what to do. Help direct me. And then he go, we've just got on the M25, and he goes, so you're turning left. And I went, we can't be turning left. We just got on the motorway. He w- And he really, really confidently and a bit rudely went, well, that's what the map says. And I was like, honey, 
the M25 is a circle. It's just the road bending. (laughs) It's just the road bending. He hadn't zoomed in enough and thought I had to take the exit when I didn't. Oh, oh, he was like zoomed out looking at the whole of the bottom of Britain and going... Not, left here, not quite the whole of the bottom of Britain, <laughs> but he was zoomed out enough to see that the M25 curves and he was like, oh, go left. I was like, what do you mean go left? But I'm not even done. So that's happening. Not even done, mate. When we, when, you know, look, when you're swapping between different motorways, there are very big, complex junctions and roundabouts with loads of exits. Yeah, and loads of shit going on. And it's kind of intimidating. And anyway, so that's happening. And he while failing to help give me directions, then decides he wants to blast music while I'm trying to work it out. <sighs> and I, I like, quite aggressively turned the music down. And I got really annoyed after a while. Like, it was a lot of little things, but I remember it ending with him being like, oh, what, so you want me to literally just sit here and... S- oh, yeah, before, I, before he said that, to be fair. I got annoyed... And I was like, look, no offence, I'm doing you the favour. I am driving us, I'm driving you to this appointment purely to try and help you out and I'm trying to work out where I'm going, not cause a crash on a massive junction, all uh, without being able to, like, use the sat-nav or read the map myself because I'm the one driving. You need to just shut up. <laughs> and, and, and he went, so what? So you want me to sit here in silence holding the map so you can see it i was like actually yeah that's exactly what i want to be fair like when things are tricky that's exactly that's exactly it and he found that really unreasonable i was like i don't know where i'm going if i knew where i was going and we knew the route that's different but i don't know where i'm going and you can't read a fucking map so yeah shut up and hold the map up It's so, a bit different that was if it's fun. like, you know, your parents live an hour away and you know the roads like the back of your hand. Yeah, because I you've could done drive it 20 times. I could drive to my uni, no problem. How about you tell me about uh headshots? Because you had some 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 thoughts about headshots that you've been seeing things that people had said recently. Yeah, to be honest, there's not actually in my opinion. It can it can really vary and it varies depending on your budget and your experience and blah, 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 blah. But what's been happening a lot lately online, I don't know if people are just getting mad sat in their houses. People are being kind of nasty about each other's headshots. Um, sometimes the opinion they're giving, I kind of agree with, but they're still being like dickheads about it. So let's yeah. chat about a headshot. Let's chat about what a headshot yeah. is supposed to be. At its absolute most basic, it is a picture of your head and maybe like the top of your shoulders. Even then, like that's mainly if you've got long hair. It's what do you look like? Now, it's not as simple as when someone is modelling because the model head and body shots are supposed to look for lack of a better word, plain. No makeup, hair in a barn or just out. They want to see you with nothing on. With actors it should still be minimal. The idea is that you're a bit of like a a potential. It's it's blank canvas. It's yeah. this is me. They don't want to see you dressed up. They don't want to see costumes. They don't want to see loads of makeup and lipstick and hair that mm. they want. Do you know what a good way to a good way to describe the level of um like dressed up to be? How would yeah. you 
Ah, oh, even then though, I was going to say, how would you show up to an audition? But some people, yeah. some people might show up to auditions with their hair fully done and like contoured makeup. I yeah. really recommend against it. That's yeah, not yeah. that's not your job. It's not your job to design yourself. There there are designers for that. But um, they want to see what they can turn you into. Exactly. You know, they want to see what you look like on like you know on, on a, kind on of a good like day. an average day yeah, yeah. You're, you're spruced up a little bit you're looking a what yeah but, you know they want to they want to see okay what if i want to do this with this person this with this person etc absolutely so like i'll get you makeup level concealer mascara and a nude or like a neutral lip i think is enough um these are all terms that are completely alien to me but oh, i really? will assume I don't know nothing about this stuff. You know what Sometimes mascara is, though, dude. Like, no, no, no. I don't know what a nude lip is, but I assume it's 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 a like a skin, skin coloured, yeah, skin a tone. neutral lip. So not don't yeah. put on like fucking purple lipstick, which I love I, doing. I, but anyway. I mean, I think I should put on purple lipstick. I think that's a great look for me. But even then, already me saying that will have its exceptions. When I when I last did my headshots, I had such a blast, and I actually did book my friend who's a makeup artist for the day because what I wanted to do was do a load of the kind of quote safe ones, do a load of the the like natural look and then towards the end of the photo shoot i turned to her and i went right whack on some lipstick make me a bit more dolled up and that we've got some options so yeah. there are exceptions but in general the idea is um it's it's head and shoulders you want to see what your hair looks like i i if so if you do want to do like a bun or a big clipped up thing have one with your hair down and actually one photographer gave me this really good bit of advice if you've got hair like mine which which is very long and very dark um have a blow dry the day before like go if you're gonna pay hundreds of pounds to get and we'll come back to paying but if you're gonna pay hundreds of pounds to get your headshots done pay 20 or 30 quid a day or two before to have to go to a hairdresser and have them blow dry it because it all it all merges into each other so easily mm. so it, it yeah. you whereas when you take photos of something, it mutes everything, doesn't it? It mutes yeah. everything. So you're not going to see the beautiful texture of my hair very easily on a picture. So if you no, just... it'll just look like a block of black. Exactly. Unless you do something with it. So get it blow-dried just so that some of the, some of the shape, some of the pattern, some of the loveliness will look good you'll avoid strays stray hairs like big frizzy hair if, if you yeah. can blow drying professional blow drying is really good for that so yeah it should be you on a good day you want to you looking fresh but even then i feel like this stuff is already changing because that's always the advice that people get given but then if you can find a little just a little thing it's such a tightrope being an actor comedians can take or, or musicians they can take their shtick and their personality and wrap it up to a hundred because that's your selling point and models it you either look how they want you to or you don't like kind of yeah. thing I, i'm not saying it's not a skill it is obviously no, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. it's very it's it's as shallow as a job can possibly be whereas an actor is weirdly in the middle where they want you to be fresh and a blank canvas but they also want you to look unique and show us your castings but don't dress up as anything yeah, yeah. but make me think that you could it's hard there's a lot of boxes to if you can find just a little thing so a good example i i'm not gonna sit and name headshot photographers because it varies and i've changed my mind with ones i haven't haven't had. look if you care that much about who who has done my headshots go on my spotlight cv apart from that 
I'm not going to talk about it. Um, but I had, I had, um, one photographer. Yeah. Um, the shot was very clinical at the time. I loved it because I felt like it looked really professional, mm. but yeah. now I look back on it and feel like it, it's, it's too white background. I feel like she made too me plain. Yeah. yeah, I feel like I feel like I got made to look a bit paler than I am. Anyway, but there were elements of that shoot that I loved, and the woman is such a professional, and she is really good mm. at what she does. But I've kind of since then, because it was years ago now, gone. I don't think I want that that next. I don't think that represents me, and that's fine. Yeah. But my point is, with that photo shoot, there was one picture. So what happens is you do your photo shoot, and they send you. They send you um, like all the feasible pictures and you pick, depending on how many you're paying for, you pick which ones you want to be edited and sent to you. So you're going yeah. through sometimes hundreds, hundreds of pictures and you go, okay, I my system is I write down the number for each one the, the on first look. I go, yeah, oh, yeah. I like that one. And then you narrow and narrow and narrow. But the one that, one that kept, everyone kept pointing out all my friends at drama school my teachers my family everyone was one where I was doing like this cheeky little like like oh what am I up to face it wasn't inappropriate it wasn't unprofessional but there was a little expression that was like I'm hiding something so it could have been it could have been perceived as flirty it could have been perceived as childlike it could have been perceived as anything mischievous or something mischievous that's exactly the word yeah so and every time people are scrolling through hundreds people went oh my god that's so you and that's what you want you want a little thing that says oh my god that's so you um i had a really lovely chat with my agent recently and she said next time you do your headshots because i think i've been trying too hard to be this pristine um prof- i want i've been trying so hard to show myself to be professional i think that i've i've dulled some of my uniqueness when it comes to things like cvs and headshots so she says look next time you do a photo shoot um think of it as a personality shot that's the phrase yeah. she used so i'm quite excited to do them again i've had some great times in headshot uh, sessions i personally uh, right also sorry let's talk about prices oh yeah yeah it's totally totally possible to get cheap headshots there are plenty of people out there but facts are photography costs a lot of money if yep. you if you want someone that's got a studio and got the lighting and got the backdrops and you want a good couple of hours, that's fine. But that costs money. Yep. You don't have to take it, but that but you can't be mad at photographers for it. They're doing yeah, an expensive yeah. job, so you can get you can get headshots for a hundred quid. But I'm telling you, and I've done it. And at the mm. time, it was what I could afford, and the guy was still good, and it did its job. Um, so you can get cheap photographers ways that they keep it cheap is they'll they'll photograph you outside instead of in a studio you've got natural light you've got trees and walls to use have you ever seen those headshots where someone's against a brick wall that was huge in like the noughties yeah yeah yeah, 2000s every every kind of late 90s early 2000s yeah um, the brick wall background yeah exactly so you it's it's a possibility but i mean in my opinion and again, I've said this, I just feel like I've kind of outgrown that. Um, I'm not going to sit and pay ridiculous money because I still respect my own money and I don't want to burn it. Personally, I think two, three hundred pounds, you can yeah, get some perfectly yeah. good headshots for that. The, the nature of anything in any creative industry is you get what you pay for with all this kind of stuff. Exactly, you know? exactly. And there's, there's always... 
there's always about there's always a certain level so um that of course you want to not spend too much on something and you don't want someone to overcharge you for something but there's kind of different tiers of what you're going to get exactly like different ranges of money and ideally you want to probably spend near the bottom of your range if if you're if a range of you know yeah. be it between 50 and 100 quid or 200 to 700 quid or something like that you know mm. and that'll tie in later with guitars actually i think two but, to 400 um, is perfectly fine to get headshots yeah, done you know two to 400 um, is fine i i have done some photo shoots with the band and i find it it's it's interesting that that thing you say about about um appearing as yourself in photo shoots mm. here's the thing all the photos i really like of myself most are the ones where i'm being wacky and weird and being me and hanging out with my mates and being yeah. like, hey, ooh, you know strange and odd those are the ones where i feel happiest um I always, I even though I am a total attention-seeking poser, I do understand this, Amber. Um, the 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 ones where I'm actually, you know, I I once did, okay, I once did a photo shoot, and you're the lead singer of this band, and you've got a Mohican, and you've got to dress this certain way. Um, actually, no, I was dressing the way I wanted to, to be fair, but but there but was they this saw they saw this this image of you, and they wanted that. Yeah, and yeah. actually, me on stage, wearing all the same stuff that I usually wear for for anything. You know, like that, and and with my hair done that exact way, I'm still fun and I laugh, and it, all the all the photos look right mm. when they're in the live setting, and the, usually the live ones are the best ones. But I did this one particular photo shoot where this photographer just wanted me to look grumpy all the time, and I was like, but I don't. Okay, so I'll, I'll show you Amber. I'll show you this face, and you can describe what I'm doing. Oh, Do you want it that? yeah, it's, it's very like low eyebrow, pouty, yeah. look down and the camera. Not quite do, blue steel, but like what, what like along those one. lines. The weird little yeah, yeah. one. I like just make that. it a little bit different. Um, but yeah, it was just like, just strange, you know? And that that actually kind of falls into a whole thing to do with why we got tired of what we were doing mm-hmm. with Hell's Gazelles. Um, and why we decided to change things at the end of 2019. Because that whole expectation of just... It's, it's like, it's so typically, we're a hard rock band and we want to do that. And we just, we got trapped into that. That's why we were trying to reinvent. And that, that's that's a whole symptom of of, of, of an array of, of different problems with, with how we felt we were perceived and how we were expected to be and stuff. That's why we wanted to reinvent ourselves a bit there's a very similar conversation that happens amongst actors which is when someone sees you oh i'm always getting cast as do you know what let's i'm going to i'm going to say an obvious one i'm always being yeah. cast as the sassy black woman right let's talk about yeah, that yeah. that's an issue we need Big to ma- we need thing. to make we need to make better characters and there shouldn't be a stereotype but the individual the individual actor has a choice it is your choice to make but you can do one of two things. You can lean into it until you are in a position of power to then fight it. So, um, what's uh, logistically? I don't know. I don't know the right word. But there will be people that give the advice. Do you know what? Let them stereotype you at the beginning because it will get you work. It will build up your yeah. money and your influence your rep. and your rep. Yeah. And then when you're a bit 
tougher, a bit older, and a bit more in a position to turn down work and a bit yeah. wiser, you you can go, no, I'm not doing this shit anymore. Or you can, from the offset, go, no, I refuse. But it will mm. just be harder for you. And yeah. when it when it comes to topics like race and sexuality, obviously it's much more sensitive. And I've chosen like an extreme example. But every actor has their equivalent. Every actor has, oh my god, I'm yeah, always yeah. getting sent for this fucking kind of thing, and it's boring, and it's one. And but but in that situation not not when it relates to like race or or sexuality or stuff but in my situation i i've been given the advice go with it let them let them stereotype you at least at the beginning and then you can build from there and improve from there what were you gonna say well it reminded me actually of, of hugh grant uh hugh grant throughout the i think it was late 80s he started probably um 80s, 90s, yeah, must have been. 80s, 90s, 2000s. He was always, I'm the heartthrob, I'm the posh English, posh Englishman, and I'm very awkward, and I would very much like to take your hand and manage and all this kind of weird stuff. And it's been wonderful over the last... In the in the 20th, 21st century, He's he start, it started with About a Boy for me. I love I that film. About a Boy. Amazing film. Uh, and if, until, you know... Uh, he started doing a lot more stuff recently that was so different to that. He finally got old enough that he he was too old to play those parts, really. But he was still a great actor. He is a good know? actor, yeah. And and he uh, in about a boy, he plays this wonderful character who's who's totally bloody miserable. And I was like, oh, so nice seeing him doing something other than bumbling Englishman in a, in a suit who's trying to woo some rich lady or something. You know, I totally um, agree. I'm actually just looking up. He did like a kind of Guy Ritchie style film not too long ago. He did one of my favourite gangster it? films, the Gentleman? the Gentleman. How which good I was absolutely he in that? Loved. He was I brilliant. I absolutely love that film. Um, he he played someone who was very camp, which yeah. I've not seen him do. Actually, camp, not just posh camp um and he played a cockney which i which really was wanted so to fun, see yeah and he did it so blooming well didn't yeah. he yeah, and yeah he, he, did. he inhabited that character so well you're used to seeing a hugh grant film saying that's hugh grant look he's playing yeah. hugh grant in this yeah. film he's playing hugh grant in this film oh it was so good he's playing this awful crappy journalist wise boy oh it was i i loved it anyway yeah isn't there that was, a nice example of yeah. that exact thing you're talking about? Just, Having enough clout and, and, and enough things change in your life that you can switch it all around. But then interestingly, there was a, um interview, there was a Graham Norton episode that had Hugh Grant and Emma Thompson. Um, and obviously they've been in loads of films together, haven't they? Oh, of and course, yeah. Hugh Grant had another rom-com out that year. And um, Graham Norton said something like, what, what attracted you to this role? Why did you take it? And he was trying not to say... Well, you know, it, I'm Hugh Grant and this is the shit I do. He's trying to go, you know, yeah. I like the director. I've done similar parts before. And Emma just goes, did they offer you a lot of money? And everyone was all <laughs> like, everyone was all like shocked. And she was like, what? Sometimes that's why people work. Yeah, and of I course. Get her. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's a job. You've got a job in your industry doing what you're good at. So it could go either way. But yeah, Hugh Grant's a really good example of what I was talking about. Y- you know, it's funny you bring Emma Thompson up because in my house there is a rule. I love that, her. You know, when we're looking at films, they're just like, oh, Emma Thompson in it, that means it's going to be a good film. Generally, that's like the rule. I totally agree. You know, her and like Bill Nye. When, if, if, if I'm watching something and I'm like, I don't know if that'll be great or not, like Nanny McPhee, like when I was seeing the adverts for it, I was like, that might be great. 
might be all, oh wait it's oh i was em thompson oh, okay yeah we can see that that's safe you know <laughs> like you know yeah bill i feel, Nye's another I feel example, that way about bill so Nye. good yeah i don't think i've seen a bill nye film i didn't whereas love. nicholas cage oh i don't have the time for that shit <laughs> Just before I forget as well on the topic of headshots, another thing that is worth noting is the length of your session. Because again, that's something you have to pay for. You have to pay for somebody's time. And the more professional they are, the more valuable their time is. So the most expensive headshots I've ever had was because this woman took maximum two bookings a day. She So when you booked her, you booked half of her studio for the whole day. Like her whole studio for half the day, sorry. So, and the reason she insisted on that was because she fully acknowledges that for the first, I don't know, however long, she's like the first 50 pictures, you're nervous. People are holding mm. their breath. People don't know what to do with themselves. They're so self-conscious. She was like, I consider the first 50 pictures a complete write-off while someone's warming up and getting comfortable mm. with me as their photographer. And that's why a lot of the good pictures then come up because we've been here for a couple of hours, mm. but you're not going to get that if you're only booking no. a one hour session. So that's another thing that's really, th I think respect the photographer's time. And if you're willing to spend a bit of extra money, I think it's worth spending a bit of extra money on a photographer that's going to give you a long session. Let's talk about guitars. It's tricky with guitars because um, there's a lot of information out there and there's there's people that hold all this information, know all of it, and it's really hard to to find the right way to 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 get it out to people. If you're kind of starting out, you don't want to necessarily spend loads of money on a guitar, but a guitar is something you need to look after, and you need to kind of get something right for you once you've once you've been playing for a while. You know, if you're getting your first start at guitar, it doesn't necessarily matter. You want to learn how to play, and and it's more about how you play it. With any instrument, it's more down to the player than it is really down to the instrument itself. But um, you know, pick something up that's cheap at the, at the start. You know, don't don't worry about it because if if you're young, for instance, or if you're you know not necessarily sure if you want to get invested in some kind of big hobby, get something cheap and cheerful. You know, something that will be a bit fun. You can come home and learn to play it, and you know, do whatever you want with it. But once you got to to where you're at a point where okay, I'm I'm not too bad at this now. I want to get into it. You want to start spending big money on on a guitar. Now, big money to you could 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 mean anything to some people. Mm. Not me. That's thousands and thousands of pounds. I know people that buy five grand guitars. Like it's just like that. Like like they love they love. Oh, it's got this specific thing going on with it, and I love that. And uh, and some people, I, I I actually fell into a trap. I do think it's a trap of of spending, you know, three hundred quid on a guitar every couple of years thinking that that's a worthwhile investment it's really not guitars don't have anything like as much resale value as people seem to think they do you know if i'm, I'm selling a guitar at the moment i've immediately knocked 50 percent of the price off straight away you know i spent uh, uh over 400 quid on a guitar that i'm now selling and it's a perfectly good guitar but it's just not for me you know and um i would i would recommend not doing that there's a thing about um terry pratchett wrote this amazing um paragraph about how rich people don't have to spend as much money as poor people and it's called vimes old boots theory about economic unfairness is what i it's have called. read this i've read this you've read this yeah and, and, and it, it sums it's, it's, it up it's shared around so all the time. well you can better get a rubbish pair of boots for 10 quid and they'll last you a year maybe and your feet will be wet the whole time but they'll last you a year right 
and you'll have to buy boots every year once a year and after 10 years you spent 100 quid on boots but a rich person will buy a 50 quid pair of boots that first year and they'll last them 10 years 20 years you know they'll go on forever and ever and ever and in a way guitars are like that you know yeah it's worth saving it up and just waiting delayed gratification part of that is because it gives you more time about learning about what you really want I'm going to say one of the fir- first big differences between different types of guitars is pickups. So um, this is a whole big thing. In, in like the 50s, when, when electric guitars really kind of start becoming a thing after, after the Fender Telecaster was invented, there were two major companies that really ran guitars, really did mass-produced guitars. And most of you listening at home will probably have heard these names without even realising Fender and Gibson. So typically Fender guitars use single coil pickups and typically Gibson guitars use humbucker pickups. Those are like the two major types of pickups that are in use, but there are other ones like EMGs, P90s. We'll get to that later. Okay, can I slow you down? Yeah. For for little newbie Amber, who had a shitty, yeah. cheap... Oh, that sounds really ungrateful, but a cheap first teenage guitar and then nothing yeah. else. Um, what are you talking about? Okay. <laughs> Oh God, I'm so sorry. I said the word pickups. Assuming yeah. everyone knows I'm what I mean. Going, this is, what's this is a the pick exact up? this is the exact problem. This the, we're talking about a whole library of information that is immensely dense. Right? So start right up. at the beginning. So guitar basics, you know and we've got I might actually endless pick time up for a the guitar, rest. And I'll point to you and describe what I'm pointing at. So and I'll try and help for see. other people okay. that don't understand it the sec. way I do. Right. So Carl's going to go get a guitar. He's just stood up, and I'm going to try and explain from my point of view as someone who doesn't really know what's going on and hopefully that will help other people who don't know what's going on what's going on so i actually thought about this earlier before we even um started the podcast and i thought hey we should do this amber have you got your computer open and listeners at home you've got to have your computers open if you're new to this look up a gibson sg for me i've heard of that before you'll probably see a picture of malcolm young from acdc or, um, or maybe Tony Iommi from mm. Black Sabbath. No, to be fair, the the Google is being very kind. It's just got pictures of them. They've got the yeah, little so fire it, flicks either side. It's like a little bit of devil horns and yeah. a really long neck, right? Yeah. And it's red. Yeah. Now, it's not too dissimilar in design, design to this, but we're just going to pretend that this looks the same, Amber, aren't we? Okay. Right. So wow, what a lovely a Gibson SG. But from a quick Google search, they I come up as a over Gibson a grand. SG. I was going to say. Yeah, the, I can't afford that. The cheapest one is 900 well, actually, The thing is, I, I saved and saved and saved, and I spent that kind of amount of money on a guitar, but I didn't want a Gibson SG, and that's part of it. You've got to wait, and you've got to think about what you about really what want. About what you really want. That's that a really fair is point. going to guitar shops and playing guitars and understanding all this information. But first off, we're going to talk about pickups. Okay. In a Gibson SG, you have humbucking pickups. So as I was saying earlier, you have um, Gibson tend to have humbuckers, Fender tend to have single coil pickups. Now here's the difference between them. Single coil pickups came first and a pickup is an electromagnet amber. So when I strum the strings on this guitar, what a lovely sound of my out of tune uh, guitar that's that was not painful i'm not gonna lie to you that it was, was that it, it sh- it, rightly so i should have tuned that i should have done anything with it <laughs> that's um the strings uh, are made of metal and they make a vibration and basically the electromagnet in the pickup kind of reads that vibration and sends that electronic signal through to an amplifier so it we'll quite literally picks up day. on the vibration and translates it's a it. pickup because it picks it up and then that's it translates exactly it. it to the digital yeah. side 
Now, okay, cool. I, I learned something my today. My knowledge goes a certain way, right? So, single cores came first. They're, they're a more simple design. The problem that people found with single core pickups is that when you turn them on in a room with a loud amp, which is all the time in the 1950s, because you have to turn your amps up loud because no one can hear you otherwise, um, you get a lot of feedback, a lot of hum in the room. So what you want to do is buck the hum. How do you buck the hum? Well, what people did was they got two single cores and they wired them together and they're opposites, you see, and it, the, the, the frequencies like cancel each other out. Okay. And so they, they buck the hum as in they, they have less of that feedback, less of that going on all the time. But they also, that also changes the nature of the sound. So a single core sounds more stringy and it sounds actually more true to what, what, what the actual sound is that you're getting. It sounds uh, glassier, sounds um, open, whereas okay. humbucker sounds fat and round and big, right? Now, I generally prefer the humbucker um, in, in, for most applications, but really it's down to what specific application and what, what genre of music you want to play, what, what, what you, you want to do. Um, Quite so literally, the sound about... you want to make as well. Precisely that. Yeah. So... That's really the difference between those two pickups. So there are other types of pickups too. Um, P90s and uh, EMGs are big examples of that, or um, powered pickups, if you want. Um, do you know what? If you want to look into that, just Google it. But basically, EMGs are really buff, powered uh, humbuckers, and P90s are beefy single coils, right? That's pretty much all you need to know about those, okay? Next up, woods, right? So... Different woods have different like resonance. A bigger, heavier type of wood, like a mahogany, will be much more resonant and deep um, in, in its in its kind of natural sound than uh, something brighter. It's so strange because as soon as you've said that, I've gone. Of course, the different materials and types of wood in the musical instrument are going to affect the sound it makes. But that's yeah, yeah, yeah. never occurred to me. It's never no, occurred not. to me to ask what kind of wood a guitar is made of. You know, the first time I talked well, to someone who me. wasn't a musician about this is they were like, oh, so it's like cricket bats. And that's exactly what yeah. it is. It's, yeah. about, it's about the density of the wood. Now, there's, there's, there's other, th other things at play here because if I'm a singer and I'm my height and my build, which is, you know, a bit short. Diddy. Right? Thanks. The official word um, is diddy. If you're like me and you're a, a, a little bit on the diddy side, uh, I am diddy, um... It's going to be knackering to stand up for an hour at a time with a big slab of mahogany around my neck. Yeah, you know I mean? that's true. That's true. Um, so uh, another way around that to get that big round sound is to maybe play a hollow body guitar. But if you're playing a hollow body guitar, then it's got natural reverberation in it uh, to, to such a crazy degree that you are going to get that feedback noise that I talked about earlier with single chord pickups. So you're always playing this balance against what do you want most? Yeah. Sorry, what you just said, I've just had such a light bulb moment that I, it's actually dumb. So when I was younger, I could never play guitar standing up because of how small I was. And I, I've just realised the main thing would have been that even with a strap, it just would have been a strap way too big for me. And the guitar yeah. was all the way down there and I was tiny and I was trying to hold the weight of like my dad's acoustic yeah. guitar and play it and some and, and wondering why it didn't work when of course it didn't didn't work yeah 
So, Sorry, do so go in on. The 19, in the 1950s, um, Gibson Les Paul comes out. It's not the first guitar by any means. So the first mass-produced electronic solid-body guitar was uh, called the Fender Broadcaster at the time. It became what we know as the Fender Telecaster. Loads of people play those. It's one of my favourite um, shapes of guitar. And ten, you tend to call it tele, Telecaster shape. Um, my my recent purchase that you'll have seen, Amber, is a Telecaster shape, but it's got mm. some funny features on it. Um, but oh, the Gibson that's Les Paul the kind became, of the really, like... The oh, woody the one word? that you've seen. No, the I know the one. what's this very geometric looking. Yeah, it's kind of blocky. Yeah, it's, blocky it's very looking. blocky. Uh, and I really like it. It's, it's fun. It looks um, cool. If that was hanging on someone's wall in their house, I'd be like, wow, that looks so cool. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, and part, your look is part of it, but it's never it's never the main thing of it. You always got to think about how it plays and how it sounds to you, right? So the Gibson Les Paul was is one one of those kind of holy grail guitars, right? It's like everyone should have a Gibson Les Paul. They, they sound amazing. They sound big and huge. And a lot of your favourite guitarists like Slash um, and uh, God, I'm trying to think of guitarists that normal people know because I know all the guitarists. But Slash is a, is a great example. Yeah. Whenever you play. Um, a Guns N' Roses record from the Slash era. Anyone who knows a bit about guitars, they don't even have to know the song. They go, that's a Gibson Les Paul going through there and it's going through a Marshall, right? Because wow. we're nerds and, and we just understand how that works. In fact, uh, Slash was known for playing this kind of amplifier here behind me, Emma, uh, okay. at some point in his career. And he was known for playing Gibson Les Pauls. It's like his signature thing. There's a few people who do that. Um, uh, Gary Moore is another uh, big Les Paul user, but he used a lot of other guitars, right? This is really cool. Les Paul, I'm really enjoying this information. Oh, I'm glad. I thought I was just rambling to no one. The the thing is, a Gibson Les Paul is not only big and round. It's 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 a bit like this kind yeah, of shape, but it's, 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 it's even bigger. It's got a booty, but more than that, it's got a booty. So it it goes out like this, yeah. um, as in it's deep, right? So Cole was literally so, pointing to like the yeah, ass. Imagine where the butt of a guitar is. Yeah. There, it's a big, it's a big <laughs> fat shape, right? And not only that, it was made of solid mahogany. So it's heavy as balls, Amber. Yeah. And I, I, I played, I, I used to have a Gibson Les Paul and uh, I, I did one or two gigs with it and you just get knackered by the end of the gig because I was trying to sing and play at the same time. And, and you know, for big, tall people, that's, that's easy. But uh, for me, it was just too hard. And as a result, they came up with a Gibson SG. You've still got that tab open, haven't you, Amber? I do, Cole. I've got the tab of a Gibson SG. What do you want See, me to describe? See, the Gibson <laughs> SG, it's made, out of, it's made out of that same material. It's made but out it's of solid so mahogany. But it's so thin. Oh, my but God, I've just so found a profile thin. picture of it. It's so as in, thin. I don't mean as profile such... picture like Facebook. I mean a picture yeah, of yeah. its profile. It is. It looks two-dimensional, and I'm really yeah, impressed exactly. by that after everything you've just explained. And so... And so they um, they released that and it was a huge success because loads of um, loads of women, for example, um, who wanted to get into music but didn't feel as able because it's just, Gibson Les Pauls are heavy. It's like holding yeah, a man. lump of lead. Shit, it's right? heavy. You know, what a happy thing now is that I think in the last couple of years um, the the sales of guitars are now like. 50-50 like in, it's never been as, as as equal as that and you got plenty of amazing um guitarists who are women don't say women guitarists uh, it's not that's no, not a they're thing just guitarists. female fronted rock is not a genre guys it's not a genre just so you're Fucking all aware tell them, Cole. I, yes. know, I know yes. i know i know too many great women singing and playing in bands that are totally disparate for you to dare say that female fronted rock is a genre i actually really don't like it so we've covered some shapes. We've covered... What was the first thing we talked about? The pickup? We've talked about wood. We've talked about... Actually, I've not talked completely about wood. So mahogany is like my go-to 
uh, tone wood. You call it tone wood. Okay. Um, and uh, the idea is that woods have different tones. And you have things like ash and maple and poplar and alder. And you have all these different properties of woods. And they all have, um, you know, on an EQ spectrum, you've got the bass here and, and the treble here. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, the idea is if you've got a sound wave, it hits different bits of that spectrum. So more highs or more lows and all these different woods. Naturally, if you just get a block that's identical, like a two by four, they all have this all have their own unique characteristics of resonance. And really, that's to do with the grain of the wood. Oh, okay. Um, and how the sound is transmitted, how the reverberation is transmitted through the wood. Okay. Yeah. So... That's also one of the reasons why it's important to get a well-made guitar. It's not just about the resources. Because if I get two big blocks of mahogany and I just jam them together, it's not going to sound good. But if if I'm someone who knows how to attach these pieces of wood in such a way that they're locked together and they're tight and and they're they're uniform, then it's going to sound um, it's going to sound way better. But even better than that, I get one solid block of mahogany. That's always going to sound better. So there's lots of different arguments about um, uh, it's a whole array of subjects. Does it actually matter having tone wood? Um, do, do pickups matter more than tone wood? Um, does it matter if it's two blocks stuck together or is it one big block? You know, does it really matter more about uh, what the neck is made of or what the fretboard is made of? Now, fretboard, I personally think has a big influence on the sound because certain woods are softer. And certain woods are kind of sharper and harder. So, so wait again. Slow down. Fretboard. Are we talking about? Okay. Is that the Let's little thing that. that holds? Yeah. The thing with all the dots on. The yeah. Neck. That's the neck. The thing with all the dots on. So, so if I look at a neck and you're looking at face on, you're seeing all these dots, and it may be your bars on an SG. You'll see these bars. And right? those are called frets. I know that. Those are called frets. Yeah. Right. Now, if you turn it to the side. The neck is generally made out of two pieces of wood. Sometimes one, but generally made out of two. Now this neck. There's one piece of wood here, and then you have the fretboard, which is this thinner piece here. And that's the thing that your fingers actually connect to when you're Mm -hmm. touching it, right? And so if it's not properly attached, your guitar will sound pants because you're not getting any kind of through resonance. There's there's a lot of different woods used for fretboards. Now, Gibson got in trouble because of um, illegally using mahogany, and they had to burn loads of things and pay people loads of money. (gasps) But... um, certain mahogany and certain things you're not allowed to use and, and, and cutting down trees you're not supposed to and things like that, right? But um, uh, two of the main kind of fretboard woods that you would expect are rosemary yeah, and uh, maple. Thyme. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. Rosemary um, and thyme. No? I'm suddenly worried Just that me. I've, I've, I've said something. It's not rosemary. It's rosewood. Rose, see that makes more sense. It's a good thing I made a sarky joke about rosemary. <laughs> so uh, on a Gibson SG that you're looking at, most likely it's either rosewood or ebony. You can tell that because it's really dark, right? The dark. If it's a really dark one, it's going to be ebony. Yes, ebony I'm is famously be... one of the darkest woods. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I'm going to talk about rosewoods. Rosewood sounds a bit softer. Doesn't sound as harsh or twangy. Maple sounds really twangy, right? So, um, actually, and that's another thing, single cores really sound twangy, right? So, Gibson and Fender, remember I talked about them? Gibson tend to use humbuckers, which sounds bigger and fatter and rounder. And Fender tend to use single cores, which sound thinner and twangier and uh, and more more brittle, right? Now, Fender also 
typically, not all the time, use maple in their fretboards, and Gibson typically use rosewood in their fretboards. What that means is that Gibson sound blooming heavier and, and rounder and fatter on the whole than Fender do. That doesn't mean to say better. That's quite a key thing. Um, you look up Stevie Ray Vaughan. So Stevie Ray Vaughan, he typically plays like a, a Fender Stratocaster and he's well known for it. And he's got this amazing twangy, really rock and rolly bluesy sound. And the interesting thing is that, you know, he's just as much of a blues player as someone like B.B. King, who's completely the opposite s- s- side of the spectrum. who has got a bigger, fatter, rounder sound. And the limitation isn't necessarily genre. It's what you really want. You know, and these are the things you've got to learn about. Do you want to sound big and heavy and fat? Do you want to get, you know, a big old Les Paul or something? Or do you want to get something thinner that's maybe a bit more dexterous and a bit more more lyrical? You know, do you want to get something like a, a Fender Stratocaster or a Fender Telecaster or something? Now, personally, what I did is I got the best of both worlds. I got um, a guitar made by a company called Gordon Smith, who everyone should check out. It's a Telecaster shape, but it's semi-hollow, which gives it a certain type of resonance, which is different to, to something else. It also has humbuckers, but you have the ability to split them. And it's actually made out of um, maple all the way through the guitar, um, which is really odd and interesting. It's made by, made of burned ape, ape maple. And the thing is, I'm lucky enough that I've been playing guitar for such a long time that I know what I'm going to get roughly when I look at the materials and the shapes and and, 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 and the components, right? Mm. So my message to you guys is learn about it and learn about it by looking at your favourite musicians and eventually you'll work out what kind of sound you want. And that's the most important thing. Sound and how easy is it playable. And then looks afterwards. I think that's a really fair point. I think that's such a good point because I I get it. I get falling in love with how a guitar looks and going, oh, oh yeah. I want to, I want that one. But there's so it is at the end of the day a tool. It is a tool hmm. to to do a yeah, certain absolutely. job. So now I've only I've only talked about the basics there from like the kind of older style guitars, but that's pretty much enough to get going on. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of information in there, and we can always revisit it. This I think this is a good episode for some basics because your headshot is one of the first things you need to be an actor, yeah, and yeah, yeah. knowing some basics about guitars is one of the first things when working in rock music, surely. Okay, everybody, thank you so much for listening. We hope this was informative, but still fun. And as always, uh, we'll see you again next week. If you want to get in touch, it's riffsandscripts at gmail.com. But until next Thursday, I am Amber Sava. I'm Coleridge Bryan. Have a good week, guys. Cheers. Bye.